HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit corin.com. Welcome to Japan Needs. I'm your host, Akiko Tema, a food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from Brooklyn, New York. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi every day on the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi ramen izakaya, but what is that exactly are they? Japanese food is so mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my good guests. My guest today is Jean-Baptiste Mounier, uh, who is the chef owner of Kodawari Ramen in Paris. Jean-Baptiste uh, was an Air Force pilot in his home country, France, when he had a revelation to become a ramen chef. And in April 2016, he opened Kodawari Ramen in Paris, and his focus on creating the best ramen has been as sharp as flying a military airplane. And he makes everything from scratch at the level even Japanese ramen cooks never think they would do. So today we'll discuss how Jean-Baptiste was drawn into the world of ramen, his authentic yet inspiring philosophy of ramen making, and the utterly unique ambience of Kodawari dining room, and challenges in cooking ramen in Paris, and much, much more. But before we start, Japan is available on the Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, which way you listen to, and subscribe to Japan Meets. And please write a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now, let's start a conversation with Jean-Baptiste Mounier. Hello, Jean-Baptiste. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hello, Akiko-san. Arigatou and thank you very much for the, the invitation. <laughs> this is special. Arigatou gozaimasu. So, uh, to get to know you first, um, where are you from and what did you eat when you grew up? So, I, I'm from, uh, I'm French, I'm from Paris and I, I, I ate a lot of uh, French food, of course, but uh, my big passion was uh, for Japanese food uh, even uh, when I was a kid. So, 
I was having uh, like regular French food and also I was having uh, uh, sushi in the 80s. But very, very quickly, I discovered that there was something different. And uh, at the age of maybe 10 or 11, I started to cook uh, uh, Japanese cuisine. Wow. So, I mean, I'm sure that your parents didn't cook Japanese food at home, right? But you just started to try. Not, not, not at all. The, the, the thing, I was lucky uh, when I was a kid because my parents, every weekend, they were inviting me in a different uh, uh, restaurant style and so I, I could discover like uh, Mexican food or Indian or uh, and then Japanese of course and so I had this education to to open my mind to other food other type of food and I don't know for, for many other reasons than food um, I, I was attracted by by the Japanese food mm, amazing Okay, and uh, so I heard that you used to be an Air Force pilot until 2015. So what made you switch your career to a ramen chef in Paris? Actually, it was the, you know, when a passion, uh, we all, all of us, we have a plan B or passion and we say, okay, one day I dream to be that or to change my life. And for me, uh, this, uh, this dream was uh, to become a ramen chef. And for years and years, uh, I grew this passion. And at some point, the passion was so big and became just ridiculous. Uh, like, for instance, if I, if I had like uh, two, three days off, uh, I was just going to, to Japan to work in a restaurant. Uh, uh, it, it didn't make sense. So I say, okay, my life is ramen. It's not uh, the aviation anymore. Hmm. Right. So sounds like you went to Japan and you got to taste real ramen and you really got into it. So is you, you kept going back to Japan to taste more ramen and eventually you made friends and started to work in the kitchen? Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Wow. So um, I'm curious, how many restaurants, ramen restaurants did you go to before you became a chef? Uh, I, 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 I've been asked this question, but uh, I, I don't know, maybe hundreds for, for sure, <laughs> uh, uh, 200, 300, I don't know, but it's, uh, it's nothing compared to the, the real uh, uh, ramen otaku in Japan who, who, who can eat like uh, 300, 400 uh, ramen a year. Uh, so it's very little compared to these guys. But uh, actually, let's imagine you're, you have a strong passion for something and you, you think you know about it. And one day you you come to Japan. I was my passion was ramen, and I came to Japan. And you have to think that my first trip was in 2008. At that time, internet was very little. There was no uh, book uh, about ramen, nothing. So when I, I I went to Japan for the first time in 2008, uh, I was completely struck by what the ramen scene and culture was really about. And I said, oh my god, uh, actually. I know nothing about it, and it just make it made me uh, um, try to learn even more, and and that's exactly where everything started. Even though I was already very uh, attracted and and trying to cook at home, but uh, that first trip was the initial uh, spark mm. for everything. Wow! I mean, to me, it sounds like it's more challenging than being able to fly an airplane. <laughs> military situation so but, but uh, honestly no because uh, you know boeing or, or dassault aviation for the fighters they, they make big books everything is written is is pretty straightforward but when you you live in a western country uh, at that time actually it was a very uh, 
unknown territory, you know, uh, ramen. Like uh, 15 years ago, it was uh, very hard unless you, you, you lived in Japan. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, in, even in America, I think it was the beginning of 2000. So, yeah, we really um, took that ramen bike very, very early stage in the global ramen mm-hmm. room. Mm-hmm. Right? So, mm-hmm. so, but what was so special about ramen to you personally? Like, you know, you could have gotten into Italian pasta, which is another huge world, right? So why ramen? Well, first, there is the... Uh, I'm attracted... For the Japan, Japanese culture is, uh, is very... Uh, uh, something that I really want to, to try to understand. Uh, there, is, there is when I was in my youth. Uh, for example, my parents, you know, they, they used to to be attracted by America. There was, uh, in the 60s, when you were in, in France, there was the rock and roll, there was a Disney. Uh, there was, you know, all this uh, American culture uh, that uh, sp- was uh, spread uh, everywhere in, in the Western countries. But in France, especially uh, in the 80s, um, there was the manga, there was the video games, there was a lot of uh, um, cartoons on the French TV. And all my generation, we became uh, uh, very attracted uh, by Japan. And, and cooking was a way to try to understand a bit the culture. And ramen, why ramen? It's because it's probably the, the most uh, uh, dynamic and, and the most uh, uh, food culture in Japan uh, who has the, the most energy behind it. So if you if you understand the ramen culture, you understand what is I think Japan nowadays uh, with one one foot in the in the past and the following of uh, continuation of uh, the, the love of dashi and and why this uh, the, there is a passion for what we call terroir in France is uh, the, the the love of uh, local product I mean and, and respect of uh, tradition and also it's a, it's a new dish in Japan. Uh, and every 10 years, it's, it's moving, it's changing. Uh, there is new trend, there is new ingredients, and it, it's never stay still. So you, you, can, you can be passionate about ramen, and, and it's going to be still moving all the time. So that's why ramen is uh, my way to try to get closer to the, the ramen culture. Mm, right, I can't agree more. It's such a comfort food. People don't eat sushi every day, but a lot of people eat ramen. Very often, <laughs> and uh, yeah, exactly. Right, and like you said, it's very traditional, but it keeps evolving, and that's a reflection of society, culture, and uh, mm. I mean the way you make ramen. For example, we're going to discuss later what you use fish, mm. which is a new mm. trend, and um, yeah, this is exactly. yeah exciting. And uh, so, but how did you study cooking ramen? Because just by eating, it's just so hard to make it, right? Uh, yes. So actually, uh, you you eat, you like it. Uh, you, you want to understand, you know, to uh, make an analysis of uh, why you like it so much. So you try to cook at home. And after when I, I moved, enfin, I moved, I didn't move, but when I, I went to Japan for the, the first time, uh, because it was so good, it was maybe one of the best food I, I ever had in my life. So I say, how how come uh, it could be so good? Um, and I just started to to to, to move and, and to to go everywhere in Japan. I, I drove like uh, fifteen thousand miles uh, of road trip everywhere in Japan to try to to understand what it was. And every 
in every region, every village, uh, I could try different type of ramen. So uh, it was a good way to to, to travel actually in, in Japan. Mm. And so you find a new one and you ask questions to the chef. Yeah, actually, and I, I met some people, uh, and some someone who was uh, so important and is still very important in the in the ramen culture and is its expansion outside of Japan is uh, Brian, a friend, Brian McDuxon, uh, who has the blog uh, Ramen Adventure. He's pretty renowned in the, in the, in the ramen world. Uh, it was a perfect bridge and link between uh, uh, the Western countries and, and, and Japan. He's a Japan, enfin, ramen uh, lover, ramen uh, critic. He doesn't like this word, but it's uh, what he is also. Um, and he introduced me in... Uh, It just introduced me to, to some chef and I wanted just to learn. I wanted to understand. Um, and it took some time to, to be introduced in that, in that world. And at some point I felt like everything changed. Uh, I got uh, invited to, to discover how it was in a, in a ramen shop. I started to make some class and a lot of uh, doors, uh, started to open and I was very happy for that. And, uh, But I, I still, I was dreaming about serving my ramen uh, shop at that time. Uh, but it was still a, a passion. So it was, uh, I was just doing it by, by love and not just uh, with a, a business goal uh, in mind, you know? Right. Okay. Amazing. So uh, we'll take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll dive into the unique and very pleasantly surprising concept of Kodawari ramen. So please stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese ship knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan-Asian to American, and that is why they are located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view the exquisitely designed tableware and the wireless natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services, from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. 
Cohen is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit Cohen.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Japan Needs on Heritage Radio Network, HRN. I'm your host, Aki Kateyama. My guest today is Jean-Baptiste Mounier, who is the chef owner of Kodawari Ramen in Paris. And Jean-Baptiste uh, was an Air Force pilot in home country France when he had a revelation to become a ramen chef. So um, in April 2016, you opened Kodawari Ramen in central Paris. So what is the concept of Kodawari Ramen? Uh, actually, the concept is just to um, to express what uh, what I, why I love ramen and and to try to remove one part of detach a little bit of Japan and bring it uh, back home in Paris. Um, so that's why we have a special decoration. It's uh, we we say like immersive decoration. I don't know if it's correct in English, but we try to reproduce uh, the emotion of uh, being in the street. Uh, in, in Japan, uh, or this uh, very famous Tsukiji market, who, which uh, unfortunately uh, got closed uh, and that doesn't exist anymore. So it's I want to, to, to tell about my uh, travel, uh, my journeys in in, uh, in Japan and the emotion behind it. Uh, but this is just the excuse, the envelope uh, to talk about the the main main uh, thing is uh, the ramen culture. And the goal of Kodawari, we 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 were within the first to to have a, to start a real ramen uh, in in France, and my goal was to do the opposite of uh, what used to be the the, the sushi uh, start in the nineties. Actually, it was an amazing uh, culture and became very uh, very uh, low level, very uh, actually bad, bad food. Um, convenience, uh, it's easy to eat, but actually it's so. Um, far from what you can find in Japan. So I wanted to make the opposite with ramen. Being the first, I wanted to kind of define what was ramen uh, with some values behind it. We can talk about it. Mm. And that, so that's that's the concept. Okay, actually. so <laughs> you were like 300% of truth of a whole mm. culture of ramen. So yeah, I, I mean, mm. the Tsukiji market, it's a historic market and uh, it lasted um, a long time, uh, opened in 1935 and closed in 2018 and now moved to newer modern facility called Toyosu Market, uh, relatively mm. close. But the, the your dining room, and the first time I saw it, it was just a picture of Tsukiji Market. <laughs> and it really made it physically. <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> I was just, you are in the Tsukiji Market. Um, so I think everybody should just go and at least take a look. And then, of course, you really cannot not to eat ramen. So, yeah, congratulations. I really hope that you're going to keep it for centuries. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But, you know, if I... It's actually it's a, the, it's very selfish. Uh, I'm doing it because uh, I used to love so much this market. I knew it will be closed at some point, for, like every everybody, uh, and I couldn't uh, imagine that nothing will uh, remain uh, after the closure. So I thought, what if we if we could just uh, make make it back if I, if I create it uh, in, in Paris? So it's very it's very selfish, you know. It be. It's fun because Kodawari becomes a concept or, okay, but actually it's just, uh, I love ramen, I, I love Japan, and it's uh, as simple as that. Mm, right. By the way, the name Kodawari, 
means committed to or obsessive about something in Japanese. So um, I, I hear you have a lot of kodawari, but what exactly is your kodawari at uh, um, kodawari ramen? In other words, what is your philosophy of cooking ramen? Okay, so very simple answer. My kodawari is uh, to use absolutely no MSG uh, in our food. Uh, and also uh, to grow our own wheat. Uh, this is the the, 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 the core of uh, ramen, is the, the noodles. So I wanted to, to develop and create uh, some uh, wheat variety. And uh, so it's a big part of the restaurant is uh, the field, actually. Mm, right. Um, so let's just dig into... Uh, your actual ramen balls that you make. So, but first, do you call your uh, style ramen classic or creative? Mm, uh, we, we, I, I would say classic, and we try to push uh, the boundaries of what is classic. Uh, but we don't do like fusion uh, type of ramen. We don't uh, uh, mix the culture. For me, it's a real Japanese ramen. Mm. but uh, made uh, locally in France. So, of course, you have consequences behind this. Right. Um, so it's a ramen we could serve in Japan, classic in a, in a way, but um, in, and especially in the DNA of what we do mm. and the values that is the most important. Uh, so I would say classic, but pushing the, yeah, the limits. Right. So, um, yes, <laughs> it's this classic. Let's just dig into that. Like, absolutely uh, amazing classic idea of making everything from scratch and authentically. So you even grow your own wheat in France. And I've, yeah. I've never heard of any Japanese ramen chef to grow their own wheat to, you know, <laughs> or the noodles. And also, or you make noodles that we're going to talk about later. But could you tell us about how, like, why you decided to grow uh, your own wheat in France? Alors, for two reasons. The first one is... Uh... Uh, you want to make ramen? Uh, where do you find the, the, the good wheat uh, and find the good flour? The good flour would be uh, from Japan, so it didn't make sense. Uh, not, nothing was developed in Europe to make ramen. Nothing. So, and it didn't make sense uh, for many reasons to bring it from Japan. So, I had a friend. Uh, I still have a friend um, who who grew uh, cereal and is um, a, a farmer. He has a lot of, uh, of fields. And I say, uh, could we make together, like uh, try to develop a ramen wheat? And he say, oh, come on, uh, I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know what is ramen. So of, of course not. And after, so eight years later, of course we did it. And, and actually it was fun because, uh, you know, it's, there is the, it's quite slow. Actually, you, you, you put your seeds, you, you find the correct, uh, uh, seeds, but you need to wait more than a year, uh, of course, to to try uh, what what you uh, what you put in the in the, in the soil. So it's a very long process. So it took years uh, to develop and change and make adjustments. Uh, and also, we invested in a in a miller. So he has a, we have the the, the mill is uh, right in the middle of uh, of the the farm. Uh, so it's completely made from scratch, from like to the, the field, to the, the meal, to the to, to the restaurant. So it, it's it's uh, it's a behind the scene thing, but it's very important to have the knowledge and, and understand what we are talking about. And I'm very pleased with what we've done because first of all, it's different. 
but it's a real, it really has the characteristics of, of what I wanted in terms of texture, uh, uh, taste, uh, well, everything. Mm. So, right. Well, I would imagine um, it's a, probably the term called terroir, which reflects where you um, grow things, process it, and you consume it. So naturally, mm. that should be part of your whole uh, best experience of eating something. And, yeah. right? and also, I think uh, freshly milled flour tastes way better than just something imported through like months mm. of process and shipment in bad conditions or uh, yeah. I would imagine you really perfected uh, what's possible in getting noodles. We, we, try, we try to, um, but you know, the, to, to be Japanese, I think is, uh, well, to be Japanese or to, to, to do it in a Japanese way uh, is to make it local, is, uh, it's, is to use local ingredients. It's to use a uh, uh, sardine uh, from the the French coast uh, to to get the flour locally. This is very uh, a Japanese approach, I think, uh, to respect that. Uh, so I want like a Japanese person to come in France and to eat a traditional uh, Japanese ramen, but made in Paris, and and that he could say it's different. You know, um, the goal is not to make exactly the the same taste that you could find uh, in, in Tokyo. Um, you need to express the, how do you say in English? Because we say terroir in, in, in French, but it's the, the taste of the, the weather, the taste of the soil and uh, the, the people who, who are working behind that. So well, in Paris, you can eat uh, a Parisian ramen. Mm. And, uh, I, and for me, this is very Japanese. I, I think so too, uh, because I think Japanese cuisine's uh, mindset is to eat something available and seasonal. Mm. And uh, you just come up with something to be able to eat at the, the best condition, meaning fresh and uh, yeah. maximize the flavor. So what you're doing is exactly what people think and just traditional Japanese cuisine. So, yeah, this is exciting. Um, and then you also make your own noodles, right? So, yeah. um, I mean, it's making your own ramen noodles. It's hard and many shops just purchase noodles from reliable vendors, but... How um, how do you what kind of like you need a machine right to get um, to produce the ideal ramen noodles? Uh, so you know how how do you get the machine in the first place? Or did you build it? <laughs> you know, uh, some people dream of a, a nice car, but I, I, I used to dream about having a Yamato machine. It's a it's a very it's a Japanese machine. Um, very uh, efficient and especially the guys behind Yamato in Japan, they are, uh, they have a very uh, interesting approach uh, of ramen, very analytic and very science uh, with a very scientific approach, which I, I really like. Um, so I, re I wanted really to have this machine, obviously we, because we are producing uh, our wheat and flour, obviously we, we had to do a uh, Jika Semen homemade uh, noodles uh, and I understand people don't don't cook their enfin, don't produce their noodle, but for me a ramen uh, ramen shop has to do it, even though it's not perfect. But at least there is some character, some identity. Uh, 
Um, so, well, of course, we make our noodles. Mm. Right, and Yamato is famous, and some people call it the Rolls Royce of noodle machines. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> amazing. Um, so, how do you um, describe the style of your noodles? Because there are variations in size, texture, flavor, and and so on. Right. So, what's your description? Yeah. Okay, so I, I, I wanted to, to have uh, noodles uh, that had the, the real ramen texture, obviously. So it was a big, big uh, understanding of, uh, of the wheat variety, uh, especially with the, the starch uh, and the viscosity of starch. And then uh, I, I wanted to bring real wheat flavor. And I don't like sometimes in, 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 uh, in ramen when the, the noodles are, are blended. Uh, I, the noodles is a, is a star of the dish, and especially I, I had to force the the, the, the French uh, mindset. Uh, you know, for them, it's uh, what is important is the topping. This would be the, the pork, uh, the chashu on top. Uh, for me, the most important are the noodles, uh, so that they, they had to to have some character, uh, to have some uh, identity. So, yeah, they have this uh, real wheat flavor. Uh, and we work, uh, especially at the mill, we work for, for that. Um, and they had to, so one shop is uh, Kodawa Yokocho. We make like more thinner noodles uh, straight. And the other one uh, with the fish uh, soup, uh, it's a, a bit more um, uh, humidity content, uh, water content. And also uh, we, we do it like temomi. So we work it again by hand, uh, each portion. Uh, to get some flat um, and a different texture that is a bit unique. So it's a lot of work uh, for us, but uh, we try to push and the, the, the French to understand that the ramen noodles are very uh, different. Mm -hmm. Right. I like the way that, uh, you know, your noodles for you uh, is a foundation of ramen because what sushi chefs say rice is the foundation of what they make. So the same idea. Mm. And, it's, it's always there, and you can change toppings, but the most important part is always there. That's the carbohydrate and noodles or yeah. rice. So. And it's actually, it's, it's fun because, you know, uh, I, I'm very lucky in, uh, in the Kodawai team. We have uh, people who are, who are coming from uh, uh, Michelin star restaurants, like three star. Uh, uh, and, and so the first months when they come, they don't really even them, they, they don't understand. So I had to, to push and say, no, no, we don't care about the toppings. The, the most important are the noodles and the relationship between the noodles and, and the soup. Uh, so that's why if you don't, you, there, there is a, a DNA. Uh, you need to understand what is a ramen. Uh, and obviously uh, you need to think first about the noodles. Mm. Otherwise, you miss completely the, the point. Right. And you mentioned, um, you know, out of two locations, Kodawari Ramen, uh, Kodawari Yokocho, and Kodawari Tsukiji. Tsukiji is the one we described how crazy, <laughs> beautifully mm -hmm. you reproduce the Tsukiji market. So, uh, so the Tsukiji, uh, Kodawari Tsukiji, you focus on more fish, seafood uh, ingredients, right? Which is not the, the mainstream in Japan, even. So, mm. what's the why did you decide to feature fish? Uh, because it was a challenge. And as you said, it was not mainstream. Uh, I, as I said, the goal of Kodawari Ramen is uh, to try to define what are ramen and uh, the, the energy behind the, the, its culture. 
meaning like every time it's uh, the, the trend and the new style of ramen is evolving. So there is there was no better way uh, to make the less conventional type of ramen uh, to try to describe what ramen is. So uh, fish ramen is not as developed as uh, is not so developed in in Japan. Uh, also, it's very good, and people were not uh, uh, expecting that. So they are expecting to have like tonkotsu ramen that is so developed uh, in Western countries. So that was just to <laughs> to push things, you know, and uh, and to do something uh, uh, different. Mm. I I tasted the fish ramen, and whenever I eat fish ramen, I feel lighter, cleaner, and I can eat more often <laughs> ramen. Both. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But we, we also make, uh, uh, sorry to, to, to say the, op the opposite, but we, we make uh, one that is called sardine bomb. And actually it's like pure uh, bitterness of sardine and with miso, it's uh, kind of heavy. It's so tasty, it's so good. But even, even with fish, you can make something uh, that can uh, compete uh, uh, against uh, the tonkotsu and uh, richer pork uh, broth. So... It's, it's, it's really fun, actually. Right. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm not a vegetarian. And when I opened the first shop, I had a lot of people say, oh, complaining that, oh, you don't offer vegetarian food. So uh, I say, okay, but I didn't really want to do it. So as a challenge, I, I started to do it. And I, I wanted to make vegetarian ramen uh, that can please everyone, even though even the people who like uh, richer uh, soup. And I, I think we, we achieved it. And it's very interesting. Uh, this is ramen, you know, you can, uh, with almost any, any type of ingredients, you, you can make something really, really cool and special. Mm. Hey, I'm looking at your menu right now. This is a sardine bomb. I will definitely try this. It's, it's a <laughs> yeah, sardine and so miso and tare yeah. and the green so sardine and uh, iberico mm -hmm. pork. Ah, yeah. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Something really yeah, yeah, it's, uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's so cool. I like umami uh, synergy all over. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I I look forward to going back to Paris sometime. Let's for this one. <laughs> <Please. laughs> right. uh, so now you have um, you know the second location, uh, Yokocho. So you said you feature more known fish items at uh, Kodawari. Ah, so, 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 uh, Yokocho. No, uh, Yokocho is a. Uh, is a chicken-based uh, soup only, so it's farm uh, farm-raised uh, chicken, um, and it's really the the, the main the main ingredient. Mm. Right, so that's another challenge because don't, people don't make chicken ramen very often in Japan either, and you do yeah. need a good uh, quality chicken to make it. Exactly. Right. So where do you get the chicken from? Uh, it's a it's a farm not so far away from Paris called uh, La Ferme de Luto. Uh, so they are f farm raised uh, chicken, um, yeah, local. Mm, right. So that's another local sustainable and uh, Paris through yeah. ramen. Okay. And uh, so, what is the biggest challenge in running an authentic, I mean, two authentic ramen shops in Paris? Uh, the biggest uh, challenge is that you don't have the ingredients. Uh, you have to understand that. Uh, uh, you know, I, I've been uh, invited in New York uh, by the Ramen Lab a few years ago. And in America, the catalog of uh, Japanese ingredients is pretty rich. In, in Europe, because of uh, uh, 
like um, hygiene rule or custom rule or, or, or because there was no demand, uh, actually you don't have a, a special, specific ingredients like kansui that you need for to make the noodles. Uh, you're talking about umami. It's really dashi and umami is uh, is my second with noodles is my second uh, core ingredients uh, so important to make ramen. And the umami ingredients are really uh, lacking uh, here. So I had to develop it with uh, Japanese people who just uh, started a, a katsuobushi uh, factory uh, in Brittany. And I pushed them to make special recipes of uh, niboshi uh, for us. Uh, so we, we asked some fishermen to, to get some uh, variety of anchovies and, uh, or even sardines and different fish and to, 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 to dry them in a Japanese way. But, you know, it, we, we had to create ingredients. That's why I think our ramen is interested, interesting because uh, we don't pick up ingredients from Japan. We had to create them. So it brings a unique taste, but in a Japanese way. So it's a, it's a quest, you know, to try all the time to have a, a good ingredients. Even Menma, just to my recent uh, work is uh, to try to get a, uh, uh, bamboo shoots from from dry bamboo shoots from China. So I'm, I'm working these days to bring them because they are they are more tasty, more crunchy, more interesting. Um, well, you don't have any ingredients in Paris. Mm, like I even didn't know there's a Katsubushi um, Benito Lake factory in France. So you really have yeah. some uh, interesting um, discoveries, and also I think you are founding um, the future of ramen in a way because you really showing how to do it for future generation. And uh, I think you really are doing something very inspiring for the future of Roman Paris. We, we, we are lucky to have a lot of success. So that's, that's cool. But uh, we, we try to show that we can have success and also with a, a lot of work. Of course, it's more demanding. It takes more time for us. But uh, we are trying to to show a, a path. So maybe unfortunately it will, all the competitors will not try to make it as good. Uh, but at least we, we show that it's possible not to use any, uh, uh MSG for example, um, and, and try to make real dashi from uh, good ingredients. Mm, right. And so who are your customers and do you have to make adjustments to your recipes for diners in Paris? Nothing. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, uh, no, no. We don't make a, any effort for the customers. Uh, we push the customers. We actually, uh, like you, you know, you know niboshi. So for people who don't who don't know what is niboshi, it's a type of uh, dry uh, little sardine. Uh, it it brings a lot of umami, fish taste, but also bitterness. And we are not so uh, accustomed to this uh, bitterness in our uh, Western food. And, but I love niboshi. So I'm pushing it with that. Uh, we, uh, all the time, you know, even in the saltiness, we, we had, we had just nothing. We just, uh, I just, we just want to make ramen that could be served in Japan. That's all. Mm, interesting. Yeah. It isn't a, you know, like a Venn diagram. There are overlaps of, you know, palate. And for example, niboshi, um, I tried with the very tannic red wine, French red wine with niboshi as just a snack as like a you know pairing food mm -hmm. they go so mm -hmm. well because of the bitterness and i think that you're creating some kind of doors for them to try something they didn't try in a way they probably tasted before us so this is exciting yeah. <laughs> you're pushing yeah. them of course right so um are there any skills 
as an Air Force pilot that you apply to your current career as a ramen chef? Yeah, actually, you know, it's um, when I left the Air Force, uh, I, I, what I missed the most was the the brotherhood that you can have uh, amongst the, 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 the team and the people working with you. And this is a spirit that I could find, find back in, in the kitchen. Uh, it's a pretty demanding, uh, a bit military organized uh, work. Uh, actually, there is a lot of similarities with what I used to experience and what we have uh, these days. Uh, it's not completely uh, so different. So actually, it's, the only thing I know is aviation and, and uh, being a fighter pilot and, and being uh, in the Air Force. Um, so this is what I use and, and I found it uh, back from, from my colleague, you know, in, in the kitchen. So yeah, mm. it's very, uh, it's a continuity for, for me. It's not completely, uh, opposite. Right. So there's a mission and you lead a team and everybody moves, work hard to get to the mission achieved. So yeah, that's interesting. And, uh, how do you predict the future of running in France, because I, you know, we discussed you definitely showing the examples what you can do mm. in France, right? Yeah. So, you know, globally, uh, the, the ramen is uh, is booming. We know it. Um, I I feel that because you know the the, the good people who are like I, I think about Shono uh, who, who opened some uh, ramen shop in uh, in America. I think about uh, Ivan. Uh, Keizo Shimamoto I think about this type of people who are globally outside of Japan making the, the scene grow unfortunately they have, these guys have a lot of success and unfortunately there, there are a lot of people wanting just to make business and so the, these guys will grow of course but they will not bring anything to the, to the culture uh, I expect more and more people uh, uh, coming from Japan, maybe developing some chains uh, outside of Japan, and expecting people with a big passion for, for ramen. I would love to meet uh, the ramen lord. I, I don't know him, but this, uh, uh, yeah, he, he was led by passion, I think, like me. And uh, his goal is, is probably not business, it's just uh, uh, enjoyment and, uh, and to develop something uh, on ramen. So this is going to grow, and we will forget about the uh, only business, pure business people. Mm. Right, so Laman Lord, it's uh, uh, he came on to show an um, episode two eighty. He's uh, Mike, Mike uh, Satinova in Chicago, and mm. he's mm. as passionate as you are. At least mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Both are very explosive in terms of passion for and love for Laman. Right. We, we need we need to uh, we need to pay attention about this, and this is kind of a mission to for for. For me, of course, but for all of us, even Japanese people, they are uh, they are looking uh, about this. They they want to make sure that their culture, what they love, uh, is not completely destroyed uh, abroad. So, um, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a kind of mission to 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 protect this culture and to to make a good ramen in in a good way. And it's got, this is going to develop for sure. The the thing is, ramen is so good. You can have like in every city in the world a, a, a ramen shop without any problem. So let, let's uh, show the direct the, the the path and, and the direction for that. Mm, right. I mean, ramen has so many regional variations because it's so flexible 
and the local uh, seasonal ingredients, that's the whole point of making ramen. It's just a comfort mm. food. So why not in France or anywhere? Mm. Right. But, um, so I was going to ask you about your plans and dreams. And I, I just learned you have a big plan coming up this November. So what are your plans and dreams? <laughs> okay, so uh, I, I just before I'm talking, I will talk about this. I have a, a little plan that is I'm so happy uh, about is uh, I bought a little truck, very little, a tiny truck from from Japan, and we 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 built a, what we call a yatai. Um, it's uh, it's a little food truck basically, mm. but uh, I, I, this is a part of the Japanese culture where, uh, as you know. Uh, uh, old people were going in front of the some station and and serve. They were serving uh, some uh, ramen, uh, an expensive ramen. And uh, I just built this food truck to to continue uh, this uh, part of the of the ramen culture and to keep it uh, very simple and, and to uh, go uh, towards people in in some local market in, in France. So I'm very pleased with that because it's a very cultural thing. Uh, we have a third Kodawari opening uh, probably next year that is quite big. And what you're probably referring to is uh, uh, our invitation to the Tokyo Ramen Festa. Uh, it's a huge event in uh, in Tokyo that will be held uh, in November 2023. And I'm so happy with that because uh, we are going to be the first foreigners to be uh, invited uh, in Japan for, for this event. Uh, so let, let's fight. Let's uh, let's uh, try to make something uh, cool happen. Mm, right. So um, this Tokyo Ramen Festa, this 2023, it's October 26th to, through uh, November 5th yeah, at, exactly. in, in Tokyo, 11 days. And uh, sounds like really, really like at the former Olympic Stadium. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know if you've been there before, but it's uh, you have to imagine a huge stadium with thousands and thousands of people coming. Uh, so there are 14 shops, uh, the first uh, first batch of 14 shops, and the second part of the, the show is going to be another 14, and we'll be uh, there for this, uh, in the second batch. Um, it's a real honor, and I, I think it's it's probably cool for the for the Japanese to see uh, how the the ramen culture is evolving because I, I was trained and formed in, in, uh, I'm trained in, uh, in Japan. Uh, I grew uh, my culture in Paris and now I'm coming back. So, uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty interesting, I think. And, and, uh, and, uh, it shows what, what is a uh, ramen uh, these days. Mm, right. Well, this is exciting because, uh, you go there in Tokyo, I'm sure you're going to absorb the latest of ramen culture in Japan. And also you have this truck, you can uh, keep inspiring people in Paris exactly. about yeah. what's happening in ramen world and also traditional flavor that they should try. Because it's a comfort food and um, it's it's not an expensive thing. You really put your soul and this umami is the essence of Japanese culture. And you're just a really concentrated bowl of ramen you can get into yeah. without flying to Japan. So this is exciting to me. And what's the third um, third location? You have a new concept for your third location of the Kodawari? Yeah, so uh, new, new, um, the new location will be uh, another part of uh, of Japan. So we, like we did with the, the two previous one, I don't want to to talk about uh, samurai and, and geisha. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a real Japan uh, 
maybe unknown to to most of us. So that's why it's very interesting. And it's, again, an excuse to make different type of ramen. So very different to the other one. Each shop uh, has to should have no uh, recipe in common with the others. So we have to, to start everything uh, from scratch and it's a new a new change. Mm. So it's within the central Paris again? Yes, again, yeah, exactly. Okay. Wow, I can't wait. Um, all right, mm. so uh, where can we find your updates online and on social media to get to know everything happening? <laughs> you have such a busy program. Uh, yeah, in- Instagram, uh, Instagram, uh, Instagram. Mostly. Okay, so Kodawari Ramen, it's a K-O-D-A-W-A-R-I Ramen, Kodawari Ramen. And you have a, a website, that's the Kodawari uh, slash ramen.com. So, exactly. okay, right. Amazing. So, uh, well, I, I'm so excited about what you do. And uh, as a Japanese person, I think what you're doing is very, very uh, good for the ramen industry, and uh, I really admire what you do. So, hopefully, you can come back and uh, give us updates on your new locations and your festival experience and what you're working on. So, uh, good luck! Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today, too. So, listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at japanese at heritageradionetwork.org or akikotema.com. Japanese is a weekly program and is always available at heritageradionetwork.org as well as on iTunes, Stitch, and Spotify as a podcast. Our engineer is Matt Patterson, and thank you for listening. I will see you next week. Needs is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.